Welcome to episode 4 of Irish Startup Nation. In today's episode, we'll be speaking to Shane McQuillan, a software engineer from County Monaghan, who's currently in Silicon Valley. We'll be talking to Shane about his mobile concussion detection application, Contact, which he developed from a research project to a commercializable product while at the University of Notre Dame. Over the next 25 minutes, we'll be talking to Shane about some of the obstacles they encountered and the ways they overcame these challenges. Make sure to check out other episodes at irishstartupnation.com where you'll find the show notes to do with this episode and all the previous episodes. With that, let's get started with episode four, Shane McQuillan and his concussion detection application. So Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. To get us started, how about give us a quick background of where you came from in Ireland and what your undergrad looked like, and that'll give us a good sort of context for moving into the rest of your story. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. So I'm from Carmacross in uh, County Monaghan, the home of Father Dougal. <laughs> uh, so I studied software engineering at DCU. I did their computer applications program. And prior to that, I was a student at the Patrician High School in Carmacross. From there, I was awarded a Nocton Scholarship, which I think feeds into this whole philanthropy piece that we're going to be talking about. And yeah, that brought me then to, uh, to the Computer Applications Program at DCU. Mm-hmm. And through this podcast series, we've been talking to a lot of Irish entrepreneurs. And the idea of commercializing technology is obviously core to that. And I think you had an early introduction to commercializing technology during your time at university in Ireland. So could you talk to us about that and, and the project you worked on there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually had some good success with my final year project. Uh, I developed a web application called Cloud Dial. Cloud Dial was a visual bookmarking tool. So it was a tool that would allow you for sites that you visit regularly, for you know sites that you want to you know retain or you know have a record of. Mm-hmm. It would allow you to create a visual representation of that site and have a quick way of accessing it when you needed to access it. Something that's very useful for people who are visiting a lot of different sites and a lot of different devices, whether it's on their, you know, their desktop machine, their mobile devices, etc. So a very useful tool. I was lucky enough to get awarded uh, the most innovative project at DCU for that and even managed to get a small number of users using the service, which kind of really gave me this, I guess, um, excitement or enthusiasm around building products that people are excited to use and that really improve different processes for them, make them more productive, make things easier to do. So Cloud Dial was, was definitely a very nice introduction to that. Mm-hmm. So you really got to get your feet wet with um, technology commercialization, even in your undergraduate. And that was like the perfect segue to moving into the the esteem program which we've heard about in our previous episodes so as you went from university in ireland on to be a naughton fellow in the esteem program at the university of notre dame you got involved with some really exciting technology there and this was at the junction between research at a university and a commercializable product and i think you were tasked with fully building out the idea finding the problems developing the algorithm required to nail down a product Give us an introduction to the product, just for our listeners, and then we can dig a little deeper into the the journey of that product from a concept in the lab to a commercializable product. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, the esteem program was was a really, really nice transition from the computer applications program at DCU, where I did get this early, early interest in commercialization. 
And, you know, as you mentioned, I listened into the earlier shows where you guys were talking a little bit about the Steam program, so you know already about the, you know, the crossover with technology and, and commercialization. So uh, really, it was a great, great fit for me. So as part of the program, got involved in a product where we were developing a mobile application to detect concussions uh, using speech analysis. You can imagine a very simple test. We get, uh, let's say, a football player. There's a high risk of concussions there. They're going to use this app. They're going to read out a number of words and sentences into an iPad. We're going to record their, their speech. And we're going to get them to do that test again after a suspected concussion. And what the application was trying to do was to detect subtle changes in their speech that may indicate a concussion. Mm-hmm. Quite a useful product on the sidelines where it can oftentimes be very, very difficult to to diagnose whether the person is in fact concussed or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So this is Contact, a mobile application. It'll help people that are suspected of being concussed to kind of make a definitive decision of whether they should go back on the field or not. And so I think for our listeners, maybe might not be familiar with the space, fully don't understand the, the problems with concussions. What is the big risk with concussions and not having the, the correct decision about whether you are concussed or not and the risks associated with going back on the field after a concussion? Yeah, so there are a number of pain points in that space right now. So first off, concussions, they're a very, very gray area. Even today, there is no real gold standard diagnosis of what a concussion is. Right now, the gold standard is the physician's decision. Is this person concussed or not? I think a lot of you can already realize that that's incredibly subjective. One physician is going to say it is a concussion, another one's not. It's a constantly moving target in that respect. And that applies to a simple football event, sidelines situation. Again, they're not really sure whether it is a concussion. There's a number of tools for doing that, but again, a lot of these are cumbersome. A lot of the tests that are out there take a very, very long time to do. They're very, very hard to do in a sideline situation. And really, that's where our solution fitted in well. It was something that was fast. It was very, very portable, being a mobile application. And as well as that, it was it was much more objective than a lot of the metrics that are out there already. Mm-hmm. So that was, I guess, the value proposition or you know the value adds that we were trying to add to this space. Mm-hmm. So you identified like a clearly defined problem that had sort of insufficient solutions, and you tried to you know simplify it and make a better solution in a much more simple process. So I think for our listeners, can you try and give us an idea of what a day in your life at Esteem looked like? What did your project team look like? Because we've heard a bunch of different projects from our previous episodes, but I think your one was a bit unique. You had a pretty diverse team working on this project. You know, it was definitely a diverse team. I worked very closely with two professors um, on campus at Notre Dame, plus one of their PhD students. Uh, but actually, very early on in the process, as we dive deeper into the commercialization, we went and we hired a CEO. Mm-hmm. That was a, yet another person in the mix. We had a guy that had an incredible amount of experience commercializing products. He had you know, multiple successful exits prior to contact. So really, it was a very, very nice fit for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it brought the, the business expertise. That, you know, why we were learning this, it's, it's really something that you don't get very, very strong at until you actually get out there and, and experience and live in it. Mm-hmm. 
And so how did you go about recruiting that CEO? I know we've heard from Jane Ronane in a previous episode about her startup Connect Again and the, the value of the alumni network. Was it through the alumni network that you were able to connect with this guy or how did you go about it? Yeah, it actually was. And, you know, that was one of the fantastic things about Notre Dame. It's not unique to Notre Dame. I've definitely you know, benefited from the alumni network at DCU too. But the CEO that we hired was actually a Notre Dame graduate. And he heard you know, about contact through the grapevine uh, as we were getting traction in the area. Word was definitely spreading because it was definitely one of the more exciting technologies to come out of the university. You know, I think just having him as part of that alumni network, you know, without that, really, we, we wouldn't have found this guy. And perhaps the business wouldn't have even gotten off the ground in the first place or we wouldn't have gotten as far as we as we would have otherwise. So you know, really having that network was invaluable and it played a massive role at a lot of different steps in the whole process, not just in terms of getting a CEO on board, but for us in terms of, you know, recruiting schools to participate in our trial, to, you know, get expertise in areas where we didn't, you know, where we didn't have the expertise, that network time and time again played its role. Mm -hmm. And that's often something that um, startups struggle with is when to pull the trigger, when do we bring someone in from the outside to really accelerate the, the growth or the trajectory of the idea? And the commercialization of it. What was the key trigger for ye? Sort of an aha moment that made you think we got to bring someone in here. We need someone with expertise in the area. What was that trigger? Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good question. And I think probably the big piece was we were really starting to get a lot of traction very quickly. Mm -hmm. And the concussion space is it's incredibly hot right now. I think it's when you start to see that traction and you realize that there's a lot of different things starting to play into the direction that the business is taking. You realize that you need someone with that kind of strategic vision and the experience. You need someone like that on board to make sure you make those right decisions early on mm -hmm. because they really are very critical to the future of the company and the direction in which you go. So I think that was the big decider for us was really, you know, just, just making sure that we made those right decisions to start. So you brought this guy on, he had a ton of experience, but let's kind of backtrack a little bit. To get to that position where you're, you were going through this accelerated growth, or let's say accelerated commercialization, things were moving really fast. How did you get to that position? So it was a, a master's program project, collaboration between student in the esteem program and a, some professors on campus. What did you go through? during that year that sort of helped you to progress the idea? What were some of the, the key milestones? Yeah, you know, I think the project, it definitely, it progressed very similarly to a lot of the other thesis projects as part of the STEAM program that, you know, I, I played my role in developing the technology in the early stages, um, played a big role in getting a business plan together to actually get things up and going. What was really the big turning point for us was winning the McCloskey business plan competition. Yeah, so the McCloskey competition is a fantastic opportunity for esteem students. They can enter their project that they're working on at esteem into a business plan competition, and the prize pool available to them is phenomenal. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so it is uh, you know quite a great prize pool. Um, in total, the prizes uh, are over three hundred thousand dollars in value, so quite a lot there. And uh, again, this this plays into the philanthropic piece. This prize pool is going to enable multiple very early stage ventures to to get that initial traction going get that initial product development going to actually get things up and going mm -hmm. and to, to hopefully get some initial customers on board and that, that was kind of the way it worked out for us 
it really allowed us to get into the more critical stages in, in the product development and to recruit some of those early schools that played a part in our trial and the multiple other things that came along with that, you know, the legal efforts and a lot of the other things that you know were definitely very, very new to us as a young startup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the McCloskey competition definitely enabled that. Mm-hmm. So philanthropy here in this case is a real enabler. It really helped you to get to the next steps in your company. But McCloskey wasn't the only key milestone for you. You also had several other sources of funding that allowed you to continue your commercialization effort. And one I guess I'd like to highlight is the, the Irish Innovation Fund. So could you tell us about the Irish Innovation Fund? I know it's this pretty new fund available to Notre Dame entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess just to to give your listeners a little bit of extra color on that, you know, I have definitely uh, been very, very lucky and fortunate to have different philanthropic efforts help me get to where I am. Um, You know, the Nocton's definitely played a huge role to even just get me as far as University of Notre Dame. The McCloskey competition helped us get contact off the ground. Um, But again, it played a role in the growth of the business. And the Irish Innovation Fund, very, very new fund to the university, it came as a result of a donation of $3 million from Phil Purcell, former CEO of Morgan Stanley and a Notre Dame alum, to the university to create this fund that would allow very early stage ventures to get off the ground and get up and running. Mm-hmm. With the overall goal being that this is an investment, this fund is set up to invest into these companies. The hope is that a number of these ventures will go on to be successful and that the fund is going to grow as a result of this. These investments are are going to return. They're going to be fruitful. There's going to be more money poured back into it and the cycle will continue. So it's a very cool concept in that a donation will fund several startups. A couple of them might fail. A couple might be successful. And the return that they give to the fund will grow the fund and sort of enable further investments in other Notre Dame startups. So very interesting, a very interesting donation. Yeah, 100%. And for us, you know, we got a very early seed round from the Irish Innovation Fund. And we got through some of the money that we won at the McCloskey competition fairly early on. And that really helped us in our early stages. But there was definitely the next steps that would have been impossible had we not gotten funding and had we not had the likes of the Irish Innovation Fund to go to. So back to what you said earlier, it was it was a real enabler as philanthropy tends to be. It just, it really enables individuals or groups or companies to get past or to overcome some of those very, very early obstacles that otherwise would be impossible or incredibly difficult to to Mm -hmm. overcome. Mm -hmm. And I guess lastly, you got some some other sources of funding, which would be great to mention. With a concussion detection app, you're primarily in the space of the NFL and college football looking to provide this app to the teams that are competing in American football. So tell us about the last uh, source of funding that you got that is pretty, pretty closely tied to that. Yeah, absolutely. We were incredibly fortunate to actually get some funding from uh, the NFL a partnership that they had with GE so as you can imagine that was huge for us and and even just having the NFL's name you know behind us was huge in terms of getting you know schools and different teams and the likes on board using the product so that was Mm -hmm. that was absolutely massive 
So you had all all this funding to enable the product development and testing of the product. Talk us through what the the following months looked like as you tried to nail down a concept and prove the value of this product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were in the med tech space, and with any medical application, any testing or validation, mind your product needs to be incredibly rigorous because I mean you're talking about an individual's health here you don't want your application to be making a wrong call or to be giving incorrect recommendations that obviously can introduce a lot of problems mm-hmm. so a lot of this funding ended up concentrated in in this study stage so we put together a very comprehensive study where we had over 200 different teams on board using our product using it uh, in cases where individuals had concussions and we use that as part of this large scale data collection and we were able to use you know this massive data that we collected to really validate that the algorithms that we had developed were in fact as effective as as we hoped that they would be mm-hmm. so it's very cool because a lot of a lot of products and apps that are developed and like in order to test them you just gotta lock yourself away for a few months and test all the different scenarios but in this instance you you had to get boots on the ground and actually go out to people that would be using the product to get real data, baselining an entire football team so that if one of them did get concussed or had the probability of being concussed, then that was suddenly a data point you were interested in, a data point you could test your product with. So very tricky, a tricky data collection exercise. You couldn't just test this on anybody. They had to have the probability of being concussed. Exactly. And that's why we were working with teams that had a high probability of concussion. And again, back to American football, you know, very high concussion rate there so it gave us a much higher chance of uh, actually having someone that we had tested earlier having a concussion it was kind of a twisted exercise in some ways that we were out testing these teams and secretly hoping that some of them would have concussions that that we could collect their data but Mm -hmm. um, you know that's obviously a very important part of actually validating that your product works as expected Mm -hmm. But it was a great exercise all the same and it was going to give us the confidence at the end of the day that our that our product was going to do what it, we set out to do. Yeah, yeah. So as you developed this product, there must have been a lot of barriers that you came up against. And looking back on your experience of bringing it to where it is today, were there any kind of key lessons learned that you'd like to share with our listeners? What did you learn during your adventure with Contact? Mm-hmm. We definitely encountered a lot of obstacles as we went along. Like the technical piece was probably one of the bigger pieces, but you know, definitely in terms of the commercialization efforts and the, the strategic efforts, there were a lot of challenges there that I strongly believe would have been impossible or we probably would have made a, long, a lot of wrong decisions had we not gotten the right kind of expertise on board to start. Mm-hmm. So again, it comes back to hiring that CEO, hiring that person with experience to actually guide us and to aid us in making the right decisions in those places. And even when it came to the development of the product, you know, we were working in, in the space of speech analysis, we were working in a medical space, you know, I have an engineering background, one of my other co-founders, like really all of us had engineering backgrounds, at the end of the day, we're not we're not physicians, we needed expertise in that space too. So I think really the key to overcoming many of these barriers was getting expertise, just not being afraid to go out, reach out to the right people again, leveraging the the alumni network in a lot of cases to just get people on board that could guide us where we needed that extra experience and knowledge. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very important concept and I know a lot of people struggle with it. So I think the takeaway is don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't be afraid to take people on if you know there are gaps in your armor because ultimately it'll help you avoid pitfalls further down development process. So get the people on. Don't be afraid to bring them on when you need it. So I think that wraps up Shane's story about contact and how he's had this fantastic experience of being a software engineer in, in Ireland and having some initial experience with commercialization there and going on to the University of Notre Dame and really getting his hands on with some new technology there and developing it further through the ecosystem of the esteem program, the alumni network and all these connections that they surround you with, as well as some of the, the funding sources that they've made available to students, specifically the Irish Innovation Fund for Notre Dame student-led ventures is an amazing example of uh, an act of philanthropy that enables these entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level. So thanks for sharing that. And I think now we have this speed round at the end where we'd like to get little snippets of information from you. So one thing we've been asking all our guests is we have a ton of apps on our phone, different web resources or tools. What is an app on your phone that you think our listeners would enjoy? You know, this is a very random selection because I think probably, as I remember, a lot of your previous speakers talked about more business-focused apps. But one of the apps that I'm really enjoying using at the minute is an app called One Second Every Day. It's a very, very simple concept. You take a one-second video every day, and over the space of weeks and months, this video is growing, and this app will bring all these videos together, combine them, and you get this snippet into what the last few months have looked like for you. Mm -hmm. And I know, just for, for me, it's kind of been a really nice way of, of keeping track of kind of the little things that make each day different, and kind of just makes you mindful to, to get out and make every day that little bit different than the last or do something that makes you remember that day amongst all the others the app has kind of been nice to use and definitely got recorded and created some great memories in there so a little bit different than maybe some of your usual answers but yeah it's cool it's a great little app you just take these little snippets of video and then as you said a couple of weeks or months later you take a look back at that video and it'll it'll remind you of all the days in between the big events that you might have forgotten about so check it out everybody it's called one second every day and now the basis of this podcast is to highlight stories of Irish-led business ventures around the world and at home. And one thing we like to do is to ask our guests about Irish-led startups that they're intrigued by, that they've been following. So could you share with us one of the Irish startups that really attracted you and that are trying to solve an interesting problem? Yeah, absolutely. I actually came across um, a very interesting startup recently called Alien. That's A-Y-L-I-E-N. Mm-hmm which I believe you're recording in the podcast notes. Yeah. And they're based in Dublin, Ireland. So first off, it's a natural language processing toolkit. But it, it's a tool that's becoming very, very useful and relevant in this day and age where the content, the online content, is growing exponentially, where there is just a crazy, crazy mass of content. And really for people to dig through this, to pull meaning from it, it, it just becomes more and more time consuming. So there's tools like this that are getting out there, they're trying to learn about the you know about the content that's there, pull meaning from it, summarize the content. And Alien have built a lot of these different features that will do things like this for an individual or for a business, you know, for different reasons that might be particularly useful. So 
Just as a very simple example, I know some companies would use their tool to do sentiment analysis across thousands of different tweets. Let's say your company has people are, are posting tweets, reviews, mentioning your company, and there's thousands of these out there. For you to hire someone dig through these and really to really get a feel of how people feel about your business, that, that becomes incredibly kind of cumbersome and mm-hmm. time-consuming, whereas a tool like Alien will actually do a lot of this work for you and will analyze all of this and give you kind of the sentiment or the feel that it finds across a lot of these tweets. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, a very useful tool. Cool. So they sound like ones to watch. So, you know, as businesses grow and let's say they have this very large following on social media, this is just one example as Shane was talking about, there will be hundreds upon thousands of mentions of your business. As you said, you just want to filter out the noise and do that in an automated way because you just can't do it manually with employees. So filtering out the noise and making that process more reliable is like a very interesting problem that aliens seem to be tackling pretty well. They're definitely ones to watch. Basin does. Dublin. All right, Shane. So thanks very much for spending some time with us here today. It's been fantastic to have you on and to hear about how far contact has gotten and the lessons learned there that hopefully our listeners can take and learn from. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, thanks for having me on the show, man. I've really enjoyed listening to the earlier episodes, so definitely delighted to, to play a part. Happy to have you on. And just for our listeners, remember to go over to Irish Startup Nation where we have all the show notes of everything we spoke about with Shane today. We'll have all the links and all the companies that we've spoken about and some articles about some of the topics that we've covered. And we'll also have some contact information for Shane. If you want to reach out to Shane, I think we'll have his LinkedIn profile there. So you feel free to reach out to him if you have any follow-up questions or if you've got an interesting idea to share with him. 